0: Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers.
1: Welcome to another edition of Amble Franzie's of Voices of the West. I'm Harry Alexander, and Bunker de France is here, and Todd Roberts is in Los Angeles, and the here is uh, the White Stallion Ranch you just north you, of Tucson. It's Movie Saturday, yeah. and so we're here every Movie Saturday to talk about guess it, what? Movies. A- atmosphere. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah this exactly. is a great atmosphere. It, yeah, definitely. I've got
2: to say, to anybody that's ever thinking about a vacation in Tucson. Put the White Stallion Guest Ranch on the number one on your list to check out. Exactly.
1: Do so. Check out the website. Hey, they're one of our sponsors. I mean, yeah. you know.
2: I didn't say that because of that.
1: Well, but no, no, I didn't, I didn't say, say that because unlike, of that either. But because I'm like our host, but it it's just, hey, it, it's it, a beautiful place. I love it. I could, I could, I could live there. Steeped with history as steeped well. Steeped with history. Movie
2: history, history. movie history, ranching history, guest ranch history. That's right. Arizona history. There you
1: go. Can't get any better than that. Arizona, town, state too tough to die. There you go. <laughs> it's like Bisbee town, too dumb to die. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Okay, hold
3: on a second there. Uh, <clears throat> they got great jazz in Bisbee.
1: Well, that's and,
3: about L.A. And a, and a, it's and a lot there? of turquoise. And uh, perfect, uh, 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 perfectly, uh, every every citizen and, and visitor has the perfectly right to get drunk. <laughs> and
1: that's a beautiful thing hey we got uh, it is the season we'll do some housekeeping here for you before we get underway it is the season and uh, that means uh, Western Family Christmas will be happening at the Mescal Movie Set that's happening uh, December 18th from 2 to P, uh, to 6 p.m. and uh, you can find out more at mezcalmovieset.com it's Western Family Christmas Hayrides music food fun mucho more it's a special appearance by the head elf himself. The head elf? The head elf. You nope. mean the king of the north? And that, uh, the king of the north. Whoa. And, well, I, you, I, know. I, and you got a, you got a uh, yes,
2: okay. Christmas the, to do. Yes, okay. The Empire well. Ranch on, the, on the December 11th. Uh, they're having a cowboy Christmas out there at the ranch. And they go just totally berserk decorating that place. It's, yes, they do. It's <laughs> like a cowboy winter wonderland. And all of the ladies that are. That belong to the foundation, and some of their friends. They they're spending right now. They're probably starting their bacon, and there's all be all kinds of free cookies, cookies, cookies. <laughs> maybe a little cake thrown in there, some hot chocolate, and it's all there. And you know the big old the big old fat elf. He'll be over there too. I guess he. It's, what day was yours? The, one you mean? the 18th. Oh, he's, he's got a couple of days. He's got a week off in between. Yeah, you know, it, it,
1: this is a busy time of year yeah, for the guy. Yeah, he yeah. is. Hey, oh. also happening over at the Mescal movie set, they're uh, they're going to be doing uh, some uh, filming. Uh, let's see, Geronimo's Revenge is the movie that is going Ooh, on that's there. That's our theme. Um, and uh, you can watch over at the Mescal movie set, you can uh, head on out there and watch the filming of the street scenes. Uh, that's happening next Saturday, December the 4th, from eight am to twelve pm. Um, it's twenty five bucks a person, and there's all kinds of stuff that you need to deal with and most uh, most uh, mo- let's put it this way, don't uh, bring a chair if you want to sit because yeah. there won't be any available. And dress appropriately because shade may not be available. And it gets quite nippy out there. MescalMovieSet.com. Find out more there. Yeah.
2: And uh, I also want to just give to the local people here in Tucson to give a little shout-out for 94.9. The mix, they're playing nothing but Christmas songs 24-7, one after another. If it ain't Christmas, it ain't on the air. And you get to hear they play a lot of Gene Autry Christmas songs and Burrow Lives
1: Christmas songs. What do the cowboys do for Christmas? They absolutely nothing, I'm sure. No. Cowboys celebrated Christmas. All right. You've got to watch Stubby Pringles Christmas. I did. You
2: did? Well, there you know. What, they do, what do they do? They, 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 they spend weeks making some kind of little I know. gift. yeah, yeah. Then they saddle up and they ride miles and miles and Your miles. Your typical ranch cowboy, though. Through all kinds of nasty weather and, and fr- trials and tribulations. Get there. By the time they get to their destination, which is the little school marm, uh, they've given the gifts to... Broken down farm
1: families and but stranded. Your, but ranch. your typical your typical ranch guy is, the, I, don't, I, don't, I find it hard well, to believe. Most of them, for one thing, most of them would
2: probably be in town because most of the ranches would lay off everything but a skeleton crew in the wintertime. And these guys, would they would snowbird. <laughs> okay. And, you know, just to give you an idea, that was in the, in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. That Tucson was a master destination for these cowboys because they could work the rodeo, they could work the racetrack, they could work the rodeo parade. It, living was cheaper back then, and they had bunk in together and stuff like that. And this was this was a cowboy. Yeah, in Hollywood, they'd all head to Hollywood too for the for the winter because they knew they could make a few <laughs> bucks. And whoa, <laughs> the wolves the wolves are out. Gosh, that sounded like
3: an L Well, yeah, yeah uh, as usual. <coughs> um, Ella has perfect timing I was looking um,
1: around Where in the hell did that dog come <laughs> Alright, let's get to our topic for today What is our topic? Our topic, it is Movie Saturday Yeah. And that's why we're at the White Stallion Ranch It is also Native American Heritage Month Friday was Native American Heritage Day Uh, don't know why I celebrate it and they
2: change it every year so it's hard to keep up see I
1: don't know why a specific day needs to be added to it let's just do it It, all the time it's it's
2: it's it's kind of a Placating thing. It's 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 so that some some Euro trash can say, "Hey, you see what we did? We gave the Indians a special day." Well,
1: uh, that's it's it's crap. It It is. But we are talking about uh, films produced by uh, Native Americans, and uh, and how the produced, directed, stars. Yeah, exactly. The whole ball of wax. Craft service. Um, and uh, you know, there's there are bunches of them that uh, lots of the. Western movie going crowd I suspect is not aware of.
2: Well, you know and, and, and you know, when we when we when you came up with this idea for this topic I was tickled to death because I you know, I'm Basque Cherokee and Poeton, so I I got it. I got a little Native American, some Basque mm-hmm. which is cool and then Shh. a smattering of your old trash blood in me. You know, <laughs> I I try to I try to didn't integrate (laughs) but the thing is when you do i've started looking this stuff up and i went it's like running into a brick wall because there was just too much too much interesting too many diversity the history going back to you know the actual physical history of the uh, manifest destiny and all that the history of books and and entertainment is cinema Uh, the early days of cinema the indians had their own film industry And I have a theory about why it didn't it didn't continue
1: on. What is that theory, sir?
2: I think it was the It was a continuation of that manifest dis- destiny. These mm-hmm. these white Euro filmmakers looked at these guys as just another form of competition, and they, you know, because it's still that way in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, Todd can uh, verify that. Uh, you know, it's like, you know, get rid of your competition. You know, you know, if I'm the only guy making films, then you're the you're the only people you can
1: buy from. It's me. Well, the uh, uh, obviously started the movement started in the uh, with silent movies, and perhaps the um, most talked about, I guess, uh, silent movie from the era would be *Daughter of Dawn*, an 83-minute-long American silent released in 1920. Mm. I'm just saying it might no. be one of the ones that is talked about the most. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying it might be. I'm
2: saying the Vanishing American because it's one that's better known. It's been written about. It's been commented on. Uh, film historians, when they touch on the period, always touch on that one. Daughter of the Dawn, one thing, they They thought it was lost until about what, right. 20, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. And, and you, you've seen it, right? Uh, emo, you you emo and, and Emil yeah, Emil and I went to see it at the loft on the big screen, and you know it's 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 funny because you've got to bring when you go to see a silent film or a film from the 20s, 30s, 40s, you've got to bring the mindset well, of, of 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 the period but it yeah. was filmed in. Yeah. Otherwise, you go and you say, "Well, that it, what what weak material? What you? It was. I thought it was awesome. Emil thought it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was made." Uh, Indian director, Indian cast, Indian... Everybody on it was Indian. There wasn't there was a, there wasn't a drop... So there there was some
1: mixed blood, probably. Talk about the synopsis. Uh, what's the synopsis? What, well, what's this well, thing the about
2: Well, the synopsis is that uh, the, the the one Indian... and I can't remember the character's name... Uh, who was played by Quanah Parker's son. Uh, he is, like, in line to be chief's father as chief. And there's another Indian fella who is his rival... And of course, you know, you got to have a protagonist, and so right. that's his job. Uh, the young Indian maid is played by Quanah Parker's daughter. So that in itself is interesting history. You know, yeah. this is you know the, the greatest Comanche leader and one of the great uh, Indian leaders of all time. Right. Uh, and but it's you know he the the bad Indian tries to kill him and thinks he does. And, of course, at the end, he shows up and the bad Indian is disposed of. But, uh, and you know, it's it's a simple plot, but you've got to remember, you know, this is back when there was no Gone with the Winds and stuff like that, or even Birth of the Nation hadn't come along yet. So you're looking at basically, you know, the beginnings of... Film storytelling. You know, these were all shorter, shorter films. You know, they were they were considered a, a feature, but in those days, a feature might run 12 minutes or it might run 45 minutes.
1: Mm-hmm. Todd, you familiar with this film?
3: <coughs> you, well, yes, I am, and I, I think it's it, it's something that shows that there's there was something for them to say then, and there's something for them to say now. You know, um, unfortunately, we can admit that. Um, <coughs> One of the darkest periods of our of our history is the way we've treated the American Indian, the Native American, whatever you want to call them. Uh, and they always had something to say. And, you know, uh, it's it's remarkable that this film has survived, being that there are so few of these Native American films compared to all the great other silence and early talkies that have not survived. And uh, I think... You know, there might be a hand <clears throat> that is uh, a- aiding this uh, process and that keeping it alive to show uh, young filmmakers of every background, but especially Native American, that there is something to say and you can say it, no matter what your circumstances are. Um, I would also say that we see more Native American films now than ever, but we we don't we're not conscious of them and. It reminds me of the old joke by um, the great uh, George Carlin, who said, "You know, um, in, in this country we have all these people running around that are so interested in American Indians and uh, and so forth and so on." He goes, "You're interested in American Indians? Go out. Try to go out and find one." And uh, you know, being that in so many parts of the United States they're they're not they don't exist any longer. They've moved. To other areas, whether they've moved farther out into the wilderness or the country, or they've moved into major metro areas like Los Angeles. But you know, I have a list here of 14, 15, 16 different native films. Uh, and the first two I just want to mention are Pow Wow Highway, oh, yes. which is a, a comedy, uh, basically it's about a two guys uh, who are going on a hot, go on a go on a road trip. They're going to two totally different destinations, uh, in opposite directions, but they both end up going to where they wanted to be, and uh, it's a sweet film. And so is Smoke Signals,
2: it's a, which it's is really are are a classics. story about, huh? Is it both of them are classics? I think.
3: Yeah, and they're both funny. Smoke Signals obviously talks for those of you who know about it, it. It talks a lot about female. Empowerment, Female, um, uh, not just of any, of any race, but just especially the, the American Indian. And uh, there's a little one called Little Chief. It's a short, mm-hmm. and it's a very sweet, sweet film. Um, but there's a whole list of them, which I'll go through as we continue.
2: Well, you know, there's an interesting side point to what you were just saying. Uh, the not so much with the Central American and South American Indian, but the North American Indian were basically a matriarchal society. And your your lineage was through the mother, much like uh, the, the Hebrews. And one of the things that's so interesting is that when the US federal government started dealing with the Indians, they would exclude the women in the powwows. They would not permit them. They had no dis- – They get the, the federal government gave them no voice, and this was so – contradictory to their culture but it was also the beginning of the seed uh, which is part of the problems that you still have today on the reservation is that uh, that power which is starting to come back uh, was so undermined for so many years.
3: Well and only to exemplify your point Bunker is that has now translated itself into a grave grave uh, Situation on the reservations throughout this country mm-hmm. and in Canada, which is the um, movement uh, known as uh, "No More Lost Sisters." There are countless, countless number uh, of Native American women, uh, girls, women uh, who are mothers and sisters and granddaughters and grandmothers and cousins and aunts and um, and so on, who literally go missing every year uh, on reservations throughout this country and in, in, in Canada. It's even uh, worse in I Canada. can only speak yeah. to this country. Um, there are national statistics of women in this country who go missing, no matter what color they are. The only color that's not included by the Department of Justice is the American Indian. Right. Who, female. Mm. And so we know numbers, we know the numbers of women who are missing in this country who are Anglo and Latin and Asian and black and so on, but we do not know the numbers of the American Indian female who is going missing. And uh, there's a great artist, Uh, she's a photographer, her name is Zoe uh, uh, Uranus. And she's a photographer. She is every year at the Autry Museum uh, Indian Marketplace in November. And she has even been, always has a new photograph of Indian women, which is pledged and dedicated to the Lost Sisters movement. And uh, trying to bring awareness to this. And, and uh, a film that Taylor Sheridan made about it called uh, Wind River, with Jeremy Renner oh, great movie. Uh, and, and 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 Graham uh, Graham Greene uh, is fabulous, uh, which talks about this issue.
2: It's a great movie, uh,
3: and, and it's a great film, uh, and it's going on, and it's sad, and it's wrong, and it's uh, you know you talk about how uh, you know how something can aff- one little thing can affect something else so. far so many years later. So that started 100 years ago, 120 years ago, and here now we have a culture that uh, honestly is almost bipolar in its treatment of women. Half of the culture does honor women, and the other part of the culture, I don't know if it's half, I don't know what the percentage is. Uh, But whatever the percentage is, is definitely responsible for the mistreatment of women and or the the disregard of women. Not all of these disappearances are due to the hands of other natives. They are also due to the hands of what many natives I know refer to as outsiders who are working on reservations in uh, government jobs and or Mm -hmm. in uh, uh, what you want to call, you know, energy job sector Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. construction and so on. And it's it's wrong, and it needs to be dealt with.
2: Well, you know, I've, I want to I want to read something here. Uh, it's from a book called "Master Fantasies of the Master Race: Literature, Cinema, and the Colonization of American Indians" by Ward Churchill. And I just want to mention it. Ward Churchill, uh, who wrote the book, it was one of the founders of AIM, and the book does have that slant to it but this is this is the opening uh, paragraph for the chapter on fantasies of the master race the handling of american indians and american indian subject matter within the contents of commercial u.s. cinema is objectively racist on all levels an observation which extends to television as well as film in this vein it is linked closely to literature both fictional non-fictional upon which many if not most movie scripts are at least loosely based. In a real sense, it is fair to observe that all modes of projecting concepts and images of the Indian before the contemporary U.S. public fits the same mold and do so for the same fundamental
1: real-world reasons. That's a pretty strong indictment. We're going to take our first commercial break here on Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts. We're talking uh, Native American movies here on Movie Saturday, streaming live from the White Stallion Ranch, just north of Tucson. We'll be back with much more right after these important messages.
0: America? let me tell you about Sergeant Greg Anderson. Served two tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star and Purple Heart recipient, and unemployed. The unemployment rate among transitioning service members is unacceptably high, much higher than the general population. Veterans are a proven commodity. They're mature, reliable, and hardworking. They deserve a chance to get back to work after serving their country. Do you really want to honor a veteran? Hire one. Go to Legion.org/slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. Hi, I'm Wyatt McCrae, grandson of Joel McCrae, and you're listening to yeah. Voices of the West. This is The Voices of the West. Let's go spark, and I'll run out the rig, and we'll go driving down the lane.
1: For the moon is mellow, and the wise old owl says we won't be bothered by rain.
0: So let's go spark, and when
1: the chores are done, old Dobbin will understand. the moon are bound to be holding hands yeah there you go that's the way it works that's that's <laughs> the way that's the way it should be any yeah. beam going sparking there here uh, welcome oh back oh to amel frangis the green church bells ringing voices of the west okay harry grab that thing
2: for it, it collapses like it did the last time
1: Oh, what's up with this well look, right oh, now yeah. harry's saving, right.
2: saving the day here boy his council was trying to collapse. walk away <laughs> Yeah. Like anyway, welcome. Indian attack.
1: I must have been. Welcome back to Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander Bunker of France, Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. Topic, it's Movie Saturday. We're streaming live from the White Stallion Ranch just north of Tucson. And we are talking about uh, films produced and starred by Native Americans. Yo, I'm going to throw some And hey, Harry, st-
3: I, I did let me throw one quick thing out for you as an extension for our last ch- chat of subject. Uh... It's not a movie. It's a book. It's called Ceremony, and it talks about what your point was, Bunker.
2: The, yeah, the, good. Ooh, um, ooh,
3: ooh. it was written by Leslie Marmon, uh, Marmon Silko.
2: Oh, I it a read Roger it forty Brinkley. years ago.
3: Yeah, and um, although the main subject and, and the protagonist is a is a is a male, it's told from this from the viewpoint of all around the females around his life. And um, it, it, it's, it, it talks about its maternal society. And it's a great book. It's, of course, it's, uh depressing because it's of a period of time. Um, but I think if anyone wants to understand Native culture, that's a great book to read, modern Native, Native cultures. Yeah.
2: Well, here's a book I want to, as long as we're talking about, but I want to recommend this. This is one of the books that I brought. It's called Injuns, Native Americans in the Movies by Edward Buscombe. And very balanced, very detailed history. It goes all the way back to, you know, James Fenimore Cooper. And it's interesting because, you know, you, you see, you think you think some things are, like, developed over time. It was there. In Fenimore Cooper, what, what is the, the great danger? It's Cora being raped by the evil indian and her Akora and her sister and that theme has, has it's always been that the indian is going to molest the white woman and you find that in the literature the, the dime novels it's like that's what the dime novels were full of either the white guy was tap, captured and tortured or the woman was captured and was about to be raped until buffalo bob come along and save her.
3: well this is a common theme we see not just in the, uh, the white woman as the victim in, uh, you know, with American Indian uh, antagonists, or, but it, we also see it constantly, you know, the white woman in, uh, bl- you know, uh, vulnerable to. What happened? Uh, this is something that uh, unfortunately talks about our, 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 shall we say, the racism that does exist amongst certain people.
2: And you know that a, that's a, it's an interesting topic. You know, and it may not be proper for our show, but it needs to be talked about. Is that you know nobody thinks they're a racist, and yet we've all got built-in uh, prejudice and yeah, just conditioning. Doing. you know, that, that everyday conditioning, and it, ha- it, it it's the same it's the same conditioning has is, is been happening to the Native American. And just in a different way in, in, in and on a different wavelength. But mm-hmm. it's, you know, everybody is affected by it. So it's not like white people are racist and, and, and nobody else is. Everybody is a racist, but and everybody tries to be good.
1: Everybody has yes. a certain amount of prejudice, no matter who you are, what color you are, what race you are, whatever ah. whatever you are. Everyone's got a some... Biases in
2: yeah, there, yeah, and in, it's so it just, it's it's so simple. You, all you gotta do is look the food you like and the foods you don't yeah, like. Yeah. You know the, the the actors you like, the actors you don't like. Um, my dad used to he could not stand Marlon Brando, but he would go around all the time talking about uh, breaking the plates and come back with no, not come back with what was it? Uh, uh, car Named Desire. Stella. Yeah, we went to see Ugly American, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? He hates Marlon Brando. He didn't realize it was a double that was in the double bill. The movie's over. Oh, could tell, oh, what a great actor he was. And the next day, he still hated Marlon Brando. <laughs>
1: well, let's yeah. let's talk right. about some of the other movies uh, that uh, <clears throat> have been produced about or by. Uh, or for Native Americans.
3: Uh, well, there's a great thriller, Harry, called okay. Mako or Miko. Okay. M e k k o. Right. And it was made by Sterling Harrow, who's also made other films. He's half Seminole and half Creek or Muskogee, depending on what part of the country you're from, what you would call him. And it and it deals in in supernatural issues and so forth. And uh, it's a thriller, and you know it's. Um, if you want to have a little bit of a thrill and uh, get scared, it's a little too. Some people might think it's too gritty, but I, I thought it was very good.
2: Well, you know, it's, it's it's the you know like in the Northern Indians, the Manitou, which, depending on how you're telling the story, is benevolent or it's evil itself. There's a there's exactly a, there's a writer, William Clark Kent, uh, William Clark Kruger. Has written a series of detective things, and the guy, the the protagonist is half half Ojibwe. Uh, He's he's, and and it's followed his life from a young man with early family, through becoming a sheriff, going through and up. Now he's he's like a grandfather, but you follow it, and the it includes part of the character of this story is the Ojibwe people and the Ojibwe reservation, and how he's a two-world person. And it's yes. fascinating books, great books. The guys just about every year he wins best rock best best author awards up there in the northwest country. I recommend well, it. of
3: course, you know, you, you, to talk about this subject is a constant common thread all through the Tony Hillerman novels. Right. Of the supernatural and That's so good, on. Yeah. And you know, and I you know, I think it's interesting his daughter's now carried that on. Mm-hmm. Uh and, he... and and uh you know, it was his daughter who um, uh, there is a, uh, a film by Robert Redford, which is uh, talks about um, uh, it's a it's a Tony Hill in one novel. It's called uh, Skinwalkers. And uh,
2: Skinwalkers. Uh, it's got studio it's, in Adam Beach. Yeah.
3: Yeah, And it's uh, it's a scary film. Uh, they did, they did three know, of and,
2: those, and they were all excellent. They were all on PBS, excellent, excellent
3: stuff. Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, even Louis L'Amour wrote about it. Uh,
2: mm-hmm.
3: He wrote a book called Haunted Mesa, which is a modern-day Western, and it deals with the supernatural.
2: Well, you know, there's another film which uh, we didn't touch on, but uh, Thunderheart with uh, Val Kimmer, who plays a, a half... He's a, half Sioux and half some other tribe. Uh, the FBI going in to investigate uh, crime that the U.S. government is the instigator of it. Sam Shepard is his boss in the FBI, and he's the he's the bad guy. He is the <laughs> bad guy. But Graham Greene, who we cannot do the show without talking about, is one of the most fantastic, fabulous Indian actors. This guy, you know, dances oh, he's with the so wood. Good. Uh, you, uh, wind Walker, I am yeah, not Win Walker, but uh, Wind River. Uh, his his portrayal of the uh, Indian authority chief, the the uh, yes. sheriff. Uh, the guy is he's and he, he did he did a Canadian series called uh, something Red something. It was a comedy series, and he just plays a, a Canadian. He's not playing an Indian, and he
1: is hilarious. This guy is brilliant. <laughs> All right, we're going to do yes, our... Is
3: a very uh, good sense of timing. We're yeah. going to do
1: our next commercial break here on Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander Bunker de France and Todd Roberts in Los Angeles. We're in Tucson, by the way, out at the uh, White good. Stallion Ranch, streaming live. But we've got uh, much more of the program coming up. We're talking about Native American films here on Movie Saturday. We'll be back looking for a property management company here are some things you should consider how long has the company been in business what types of properties can they manage for you? And does the company give back to the community? Well, your search is over. The Polash Management Company meets and exceeds those considerations. They've been in business in Tucson, Arizona since the 1960s. They manage all types of properties throughout Arizona and elsewhere, from residential to commercial to public sector properties. The Polash Management Company also dedicates its time and resources to numerous community projects, including help funding the drive for the U.S. SS Arizona Memorial at the University of Arizona. You also want a property management company that puts you, the customer, first. Contact the Paul Ash Management Company today at PaulAshManagement.com and ask about the complete package or call 520-795-2100. That's 520-795-2100. The Paul Ash Management Company.
0: Property managers you can trust. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year we become more and more dependent. Upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304 8300.
1: You've got some cattle you want, rustled, but don't have enough henchmen of your own to do the job. little lady up the road a piece won't strike a deal with you about water rights. You out there! Come one step nearer and old Bess here will spit right in your eye. So you need to strike your own deal, but you need the right henchmen to do the job. The stage is hauling a Wells Fargo box loaded with gold. You've got the perfect spot to liberate that gold, but like henchmen to pull off the job. What to do?
0: You better start packing a handgun.
1: Call Rent-A-Hench. We're a bad guy rental agency. We provide you with enough scruffy henchmen to tackle any job with specific directions. Just listen to what Rent-A-Hench users have to say. Well, you know, when I joined Rent-A-Hench, I was trained by Bud Osborne, Charlie King,
2: and some of the best head henches there ever was and I'm going to guarantee you that you cannot hinge without the proper hinges around you. And that's just a gentle hitch.
1: When you need sheer numbers of henchmen, call us. We specialize in stage holdups, water right disputes, squatter troubles, cattle rustling, and much more. Our Rena henchmen may not be able to think their way out of a paper bag, but they sure can follow directions and they won't sing to the law about you if they get caught. See our ad in the Saturday evening poster harper's weekly
2: hey not only that when you're in the long branch and you want to go next door to docks to get that bullet out of your shoulder get a -A renehanced to sit there on your place and keep your whiskey warm while you're gone
1: renehanced when you need bad guys to do bad guy stuff so you can keep your hands clean you let me do the work yosemite sam it's yosemite sam yosemite Yosemite Yosemite, sam he-man stuff as Tom Bray has ever crossed a Rio Grande. And I ain't no
0: be pamby This is the Voices of the West.
1: Ain't no namby-pambys around here, these parts. Yeah, we don't <laughs> pandy any nandies here either. Welcome back to Emil Franci's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander Bunker to France, Todd Roberts, uh, out in Cooneyville. <laughs> We're just having fun here. Yes. here. Just Sweet. having some fun. We're talking about Native American movies on our movie Saturday program streaming live from the White Stallion Ranch just north of Tucson. Yes, indeed. Well, you know, I want to mention some pictures
2: that this is generally what people think about when they think about in pictures with the Indians. And you've got some such as like they died with their boots on. Uh, Boots and Saddles, Cheyenne Autumn, Tonka, Little Big Man. And just to go I'll show you how it's kind of regional in a way. Uh, you, from the Northeast, you got movies like uh, Drums Along the Mohawk and The Deer Slayer. From the Southwest, you got pictures like Broken Arrow, Fort Apache, Tell Them Wally Boy Was Here. From the Southeast, you got things like Davy Crockett's uh, uh, things he did on TV, which were TV movies. And of course, uh, a great movie. Uh, Light in the Forest, uh, which was about early the early Indian, a white boy raised as an Indian, but it's very, very. I think Conrad Richard wrote it, and it's very, you know, it's 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 real, Mm -hmm. and I and I think it was like a like a Pulitzer winner too. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: Todd, I want you speaking of that, Todd. Before you do that, Todd, I want you to know that bunker is operating completely devoid of cards today i forgot my notes in my card so it's just, this is off off the top and back of my head and what's rolling around in my eyeballs he's doing pretty good do not you think
3: wow <laughs> I, I i have to compliment yeah, you, i know, I know. You, you you were you were you were kind of like uh, probably so excited you're going to the white Stallion ranch you ran out ran out of the house half naked
2: well, you know, so it's almost, funny. Yeah. It, you know, it's funny. I did I had to go back and get my pants and my underwear, but yeah, you know, unfortunately all the neighbors were were out having a barbecue, and so it was interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah okay. Uh, you know, well, speaking to your
3: point about um, what you just said, um, it's not a film, but it is a book. It's a series of three books. They're all written by Tom Brown. And Tom Brown was is is a world-famous tracker um he's been hired by law enforcement uh locally uh statewide nationally he's worked with the fbi um he grew up in the in the in the in the uh, meadowlands in new Jersey when it was all forest, basically and uh before they dropped uh, jimmy hoffa the in there
1: i think they dropped yeah, well, uh, him he,
3: Stadium. That's He's it. a giant stadium. He's That's in a... two different bags yeah. in two of the four pylons. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but the tracker, the vision, and the quest um, are all written by Tom Brown, and he was taught. His best friend was a was an Apache boy who lived in New Jersey, and the Apache boy uh, in his home with his parents was the grandfather who lived there, and that grandfather was an Apache medicine man, and he taught. His grandson and the grandson's best friend, Tom Brown, all, everything he knew about tracking and being an Indian. Hmm. And he taught them how to survive in the snow without a shirt, and so on, and build the fire, and just everything you want to know, discern. He can discern over a hundred different tracks of animals. Uh, He can identify them uh, just in the ground, on the dirt, or the sand, or the snow great series of books. I'm surprised no one's ever made one. Another uh, I will mention I want to make is just William S. Hart General, who only used Indians as Indians in his movies. Mm-hmm. He, there were no um, dark skinned uh, Italians or Latins. Uh, nothing against them, but he only believed in using Indians. He spoke uh, the sign language. He was taught by women. So all those male uh, Indian Extras would always laugh at him because they said he spoke like a woman in his sign language because yeah. he was taught by women. Yeah. And uh, the other one is, it's a film, I know it's, it, you know, but it gives great credence and fair shake to the Indians, uh, especially the Apaches, which is Walk the Proud Land with Audie Murphy yeah. and Anne Bancroft. Very it's well good, made.
1: It's it. a good reservation movie. Let's talk about that for a moment. The, the uh, filmmakers. The, the issue of getting Indians to play Indians in cinema.
2: Well, you know, early on, well, well, early on, part of the problem was that Hollywood, uh, when they were casting a movie, they might have a, some really good Indian actors, but the Indian actors didn't have any star power, any box office draw. And so, consequently, they would cast Chuck Connors as Geronimo, or Burt Lancaster as Masai, or, or you know, just the other ones that they always did. You know, and it's like, think about it: Chuck Connors, six foot five, portraying a five foot, maybe barely six inch tall Indian.
1: Yeah, it's ridiculous. Jeff Chandler is another one. Yeah, I'm sorry, it just
2: is. I, I like him. I like, but you know, again, you know, it's. We're fortunate that we had some of these white actors, at least, that had a dignity. Because one of the important things with Broken Arrow is it was one of the first films to start looking at the Indian as something other than somebody evil or a pop-up target for the cowboys to shoot. And it started that conversation. A
3: bloodthirsty savage. Yeah. Uh, You know, a bloodthirsty savage who, who was only evil at heart. Yeah. Um and I but I agree with you. I mean Italians and um you know they were using uh darker skinned latins and so on. Um when Hollywood had a lot of people at its disposal but they didn't they weren't going to go that route. They just they weren't and it's unfortunate.
2: Well, think um, about this. This is I a movie really that I I really enjoyed and I really like because I like I like Victor Mature, but his chief crazy horse was a, it was a good performance, a good movie. Uh, I wish they would remake it with a Native American actor, you know. Yeah. So, but yeah. Th-
3: that's well. It also talks. It tells a great story because yeah. it shows Crazy Horse as a real, uh, so who how, he was to his people, and so on, and how someone who was so little in his mind, a fellow Sioux, uh, would murder him.
1: So, how much does it detract from the movie? When you have uh, somebody like a Chuck Connors playing the Native American part, how how much does that detract from the movie? Does it?
2: Well, if you look at it from the year it was made and released, the American film going public accepted it because that's what they were used to. They 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 had they weren't awake to it. It wasn't a, you know, when the, when the movie was reviewed, only a small handful of critics mentioned it, and it was only in passing that you know that uh, you know he was he wasn't Geronimo, but uh, and the movie was did fairly well. You know, it did good business. Uh, you know, here's a here's the thing is I, I want to kind of move off in a different direction and talk about Lawrence of South Dakota, better known as Dances with Wolves. Mm-hmm. And you know, here's here, this is this is another movie, like much like Broken Arrow, that started to really started the conversation going again uh, about Native Americans and playing, you know, Native Americans playing Native Americans. But here's an interesting thing: in Michael Blake's book, the Indians are Comanche, not not Uglala. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but you know, yes. be, just it's it's Hollywood can't do anything without either mucking it up or changing it. Hopefully, sometimes they get lucky and it well, comes have, out good, but yeah. They have to mess with it.
3: They have to mess with <laughs> uh, I And I love Dancing with Wolves. Yeah. I know that some people will uh, scorn me and others will want to kiss me. Um, but, you know, it always reminds me. I mean, I, I know people who worked on that film, uh, including Albert Whitehat.
2: Bill Markley.
3: Well. Wow. Uh, and Doris Doris Ledercharge, who were who were the linguists who taught the the Indians in the film how to speak um Sioux, native Sioux. But yeah. um you know, I always remember the director Kevin Jar, who wrote and directed part he wrote all of Tombstone but only directed ten percent of it, and he referred to the film as um, happy hippies running around naked in the hills. Uh, <laughs> that was what, how he, what he referred to as dances with the wolves. But I'm of the firm belief, and I'm not trying to detract from Michael Blake's novel uh, or the know. film, but if you read Will Henry's book, um, No Survivors, mm-hmm. uh, it, it is very, very similar in its structure. Not the ending, but it's very st- structured, very much like... Uh, Um, uh, Dance with the Wolves well you know the
2: story's been told many times but it just was not as told as well
3: right right I would also say there's a great movie out. it's a drama called uh, The Cherokee Word for Water yes and it is the story of the first ever speaking back to our in the show of the Female Matriarchal Society of the first female chiefs of the Cherokee Nation, and um, it's uh, it was made by she unfortunately has passed, and uh, it was made by her um, it was made by her widower, her husband who is uh, she left behind. It's a very well-made
2: film. You know, I want to talk about a film that uh, it's almost off the table as far as what we're talking about, but it is uh, a, a picture called Apocalypto that Mel Gibson made. It was oh, American Indian. Oh, it is! I love that. It is a beautiful, classic, well-made. It's it's unbelievable because and and because there's no written history of, of that, but his interpretation. Uh, they went in; the researchers went in and recreated the Mayan language from the roots that they had of it today. And the performers in there, uh, Youngblood, Tony, I think it was Tony Youngblood that was the, uh, the protagonist. It's yes. uh, just beautifully photographed. There's not one word of English spoken in it. They're all speaking native dialect, not movie dialect, not movie gibberish, yeah. but the actual, as close as they could get to the Mayan dialect. Hmm. And, well, and
3: know, I know a lot of Latin people have been very upset at this film. You know why did you show us as bloodthirsty savages and this and that? Not everybody in the movie is, but mm-hmm. the main, the main most powerful tribe being this group of Mayans are, and um, that's you know that's been proven um, by what exists of their architecture.
2: Well done. First
3: of all, they've gone into the rooms where they would they would do uh, uh, after they would sacrifice somebody, the medicine man or the shaman, would take the heart out of the body. He would walk down these steps into a a private room that only royalty and shaman were allowed in, and they would literally rub that heart, that organ, up and down the walls, paint Mm covering the walls, the interior of that room in the blood of the sacrificed person, number one. So that's, and they've done carbon testing, and that's blood. So. Where did where did it come from? Well, you know, and they've shown it to be American, you know, human blood. The other thing is is that the petroglyphs that are on those walls also is how they recreated that story, that whole synopsis of the story and the language. So don't argue with us. Argue with the carbon dating and the petroglyphs that were left behind by the Mayans, the Aztecs, the Mexica, the Incas. And so
2: on. Well, you know, just to to continue on that, you know, the Mayan, they literally, the, the, the submissive tribes around them, because they had, they had, they were like, they were an empire and they did have all of the tribes around they would go out and harvest the people for their sacrifices because the, yes. the different time, seasons of the years require different sacrifices. And, but the, one of the other interesting things in this is a lot of people, they'll see somebody like Anthony Quinn playing an Indian or, or some of the other uh, Mexican actors, and they'll go, well, that shouldn't have been played by an Indian. And they forget that the native Mexican is an Indian.
3: Is an Indian.
1: Well absolutely. And this is absolutely and this is what happens when history is not taught in the schools. We have to take our final commercial break here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts. We'll be back with much more right up to this. Donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse at Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in southeast Arizona. Your tax deductible donations to Horse at Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, Horse at Make a difference in a horse's life. That's Horse at
0: Hi, this is Craig Morgan with a special message for all those who have served in the U.S. Army. The National Museum of the United States Army, to be built at Fort Belvoir, Virginia, will include the Soldiers' Registry, an electronic record of Americans who have worn the Army uniform, recognizing their service. I've already added my story to the registry. I hope you'll add yours. To learn more and to make your story a permanent part of the National Army Museum, visit armyhistory.org. Coming to you from the great southwestern United States. King, this case is closed. This is the Voices of the West. (laughs) Rose of old Santa Fe I'll soon be on my
1: Connie Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, Todd Roberts. And we're talking about Native American movies here on uh, this edition of Movie Saturday. Let's, so miss, let's
2: talk about a
3: couple of the time, actors. So I just want to read these Both names with. off so anybody watching the show can go out and find these movies to watch. They're watching. Oh. Uh, <laughs> the Four Sheets to the West, Words from a Bear, Ronnie Bo- uh, Bo- Bodine, Dig it if you like, if you can. This may be the last time. Shiloh, Ladonna Harris, 101, Barking Water, Teata, the creek that runs red, and Isabel's Garden. The two that are of major, to me, that were the best out of this list, are Words from a Bear, which is a documentary profiling the great Mm -hmm. uh, American Indian author Scott Mamaday and Scott Mamaday. And the other one is Teata, which is the story. True story. Also, uh, it's a drama of a, the first American Indian to perform in the White House for a U.S. president being FDR, mm-hmm. and she was a storyteller. Mm-hmm. And uh, both are very good. You can catch uh, Teata on Netflix.
2: Yeah, there was they were playing uh, the M. Scott Mama Day documentary on PBS. I think around three o'clock because I, I couldn't watch it because it was coming over here, but. Yeah, what a great writer! You know, let's you know, excuse, I want to mention a couple of people: Chief Dan George, Will Sampson, uh, Jay Silverheels, Graham Greene, uh, Adam Beach, Indian actors who were able to escape the oblivion that that falls to most Indian actors, especially further back you go. In, in what way? Well, you know, you you look you look at like Chief Dan George; he brought humor. Okay. To the to the screen yeah, as an Indian, you know, you know, because up until that time, uh, pretty much it was the stoic, you know, me mm-hmm. go mm-hmm. now, Kimosabe. Right. And and he and he was he was and then in, in Outlaw Josie Wales, you know, he was he was the comic sidekick. Yeah. Really. Yeah.
3: Completely. Yeah. yeah. He's also in <laughs> Little Big Man Bunker. Yes. If I'm correct, he is the he's the. He was the first American Indian, Native American, whatever we want to choose for nomenclature, to be nominated for right. Best Supporting Actor.
2: Right. I think and I think you're right. I think
3: there. that that's a, a, a tremendous, a tremendous accomplishment. He's hilarious in the film.
2: And look Both at Will, films, look at Will Sampson. You know, in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, there was, oh my God, that, you know, there was. He was.
3: And outlaw Josie Wells, too. Yes. Yes. Oh, and
2: a white buffalo. Yes.
1: I love Wild Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah, there was a movie back in uh, 1979 uh, that uh, was kind of a, a, a spoof, not very well known. It's called America Thon. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a comedy satire movie. Harvey Corman's in it. Uh, uh, John Ritter is in it. Uh, Chief Dan George is in it. Fred Willard is in it. Meatloaf is in it. Um, basically, the premise of the movie is that the uh, uh, America America's debt has come due to the Indians, Mm -hmm. and the Indians want their cash. But America doesn't have it, and so Chief Dan George suggests to John Ritter, who's the president, maybe you should do a telethon. (laughs) 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 And so basically, that is what this movie is about. It it is not... It's one of those that is way under the radar... And if you happen to find it, watch it, because I believe you will really find it quite hilarious and quite interesting.
2: Yeah, for a minute, I want to go back to the to the beginning, You're know, talking like 1910, D.W. Griffith. Yep. He made 30 Westerns, over, and half of them were about the Indians, uh, and most of those was pre-European. And, and some of the... And this is what's interesting, is some of the early Indian filmmakers that, because there was a short, for a short period, a Indian film industry, mm-hmm. being, Indians making films, producing, directing, and he just, you know, and just to move on real quick, because I know we've got to finish the hour, uh, Thomas Entz mm-hmm. uh, he came out from New York. Hooked up with the 101 Wild West Show, who had a band of Uglala Sioux that were part of the troupe, and they did over—they did around 80 pictures with those Indians. They—they they, they
1: lived right there in the San Fernando Valley, I and mean, it was just—I I showed you a couple of pictures. Yeah. It was awesome. First movie that was shot in what we now know as Hollywood, Squaw Man. Yes, 1915. Dean D.W. Griffith, I yeah. believe and hey.
3: that that sound stage was the converted was a converted barn mm-hmm. and it is still sitting in the park across the street from the Hollywood Bowl and we are it's called the Hollywood Heritage Museum
1: and we are plum out of time Todd thank you Bunker thank you thank you may your blankets
2: stay dry and <laughs> may you always travel the the western way
1: Next time we get together on Amal Franzi's Voices of the West, uh, we're going to have our guest, Peter Hiller. He uh, runs the Joe Mora Trust. And if you don't know who Joe Mora is, I suggest you check him out. He is uh, quite the artist. Anyway, that's next time here on Amal Franzi's Voices of the West. 78, 79, 80. So long, everybody.